I'm Thorne Dreyer, uh, and this is RAG Radio, and we're here again with you this afternoon in Austin, Texas, uh, and all around the world, you know. We originate, the show originates on uh, KOOP 91.7 FM, uh, a community radio station, all-volunteer, solar-powered, and uh, cooperatively run. It's a very cool place. The show has been broadcast on a number of other stations, and uh, the podcasts are uh, all over the place, including at uh, Veterans Today. And uh, we're just thrilled to have you with us every week. Uh, it's just the, the hits just keep on coming, right, Susie? That's right. <laughs> uh, I'm my uh, engineer and uh, and cohort is uh, Tracy Schultz, and that's a little yeah. o- little overcast. Just a little, little muggy, but uh, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, well, it, you know, it's been real cold. It's been wet for several days, and now it's warmed up some, but it's still kind of muggy. Uh, Susie Sheeler, who is our uh, outgoing uh, apprentice and incoming associate, <laughs> our, that transition has already kind of been happening or has happened, but in any event, um, thank you for being with us. And, and uh, Susie may at any point, because we really can't control her. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a somewhat dangerous situation. She might pop in at any time with a question or a comment. Could happen. Um, we also can't control Tracy, but we try our best. <laughs> All right, today uh, on RAG Radio, my guest is Steve Russell. Uh, Steve is an old friend. He's been on the show twice before. Uh, he uh, was originally, he wrote, a, he wrote a December 2017 Newsweek cover story called America and Guns, to understand that deadly obsession come to Texas. And he also penned a companion piece for the RAG blog, which was titled, Is Gun Violence Our Manifest Destiny? Uh, so Steve was originally scheduled to discuss those stories on RAG Radio on December 15, 2018. But due to the situation beyond everyone's control, that show had to be rescheduled. So Steve is here with us today, and it could not be more timely. Uh, we've got a lot more gun news and a lot more context to, to talk about. Steve, thanks for being here. Uh, it's a pleasure. I, I, I like it that you're letting me broadcast from home and I don't have to fight I-35. <laughs> Steve uh, is um, an old friend and, and used to work on the RAG uh, and is a regular contributor to RAG Radio. He's in Sun City, which is how far from Austin? Oh, so a little bit over 20 miles. Okay, so is it... But sun- it seems like twice that. <laughs> yeah, especially with the freeways around here. It's gotten really awful. How, how uh, is it sunny in Sun City? It is. Oh. It is. I'm looking out the window, and uh, we got deer, we got birds... We got sunshine. We got your deer. We got your birds. <laughs> okay. Um, hey, I was just listening before we came on, uh-huh. and there was a candidate talking about mental health being uh, a way into this gun problem we've got, and it it made me think of the first bill that President Trump signed, the very first thing. I, I did a Facebook post about it today. The first thing Obama signed was the Lilly Ledbetter Fair Pay Act. The first thing Trump signed was a bill to assure that persons who were getting disability for mental 
disablement from work from the Social Security Administration could still buy guns. Yeah, well, that's really nice, don't you think? <laughs> you're yeah, such a good uh, guy, he was. Let me, before you go any further, I do want to get, let people in, then we'll jump back right where we are. Uh, I wanted to tell people who you are. Okay. Because uh, I really hadn't done that. I did say that you were a regular contributor to the RAG and a staff writer from 1969 to the mid-70s for Austin's Underground Newspaper and our rowdy antecedent, uh, the RAG. Steve Russell is also a veteran of the anti-war movement and worked with Cesar Chavez and uh, the United Farm Workers. He's retired from a first career as a trial court judge in Texas and a second career as a university professor that began at the University of Texas, San Antonio. He's now associate professor emeritus of criminal justice at Indiana University, Bloomington. Uh, Steve is a citizen of the Cherokee Nation and a ninth grade dropout. He's, uh, he's working now on his third career as a freelance writer. His newest project is a book of autobiographical essays explaining how an Indian ninth grade dropout was able to become a judge and a professor without picking up a high school diploma or a GED. Uh, this is, this is uh, Steve's third time on RAG Radio, and uh, so it's great to have you here. <laughs> Again, it's great so. to be here. Um, you know what? That's that's a wonderful beginning, uh, and it, it's, it certainly tells us something. And the whole issue: people are willing now to talk about mental illness, uh, and and see that as, and certainly that's got to be a very very serious problem. But the problem, the the issue is how we how we determine who the people are. Uh, the the whole red flag issue: uh, the people who shouldn't have guns. And uh, I, it raises it raises all kinds of questions. Uh, I had um, and I've lost it. I, you know, we have but, to admit that the NRA was right, and in, in that not everybody who is disabled from work for mental reasons is unfit to have a gun. But I, I think they perhaps ought not to get a gun with a two-minute background check, if you know what I mean. Right. <laughs> right. They ought to, like, look into why they're mentally disabled. There's, uh, there's, um, there's a whole issue now, and there are several states that have, that have created sort of, a, sort of red flag uh, legislation and, uh, and are finding ways that uh, some gun control proponents and legal experts said Wednesday shooting might have been – averted if Florida were among the handful of U.S. states, uh, this is from Reuters, with laws allowing police and family members to obtain restraining orders, barring people suspected of being a threat from possessing guns. Um, and uh, there's a, there are red flag laws, and this is from the Washington Post. In the wake of massacres like Wednesday's school shooting in Portland, a small number of states have passed red flag laws that allow the seizure of guns before people can commit acts of violence. But this is only uh, California, Washington, Oregon, Indiana, and Connecticut. It says that mental illness, escalating threats, substance abuse, and domestic violence are among the circumstances under which a judge can order weapon restrictions. Um, and they said about Cruz, about the, the killer, they said that according to news reports, he killed squirrels with a pellet gun, trained his dogs to attack a neighbor's piglets, posted on Instagram about guns and killing animals, and eventually threatened at least one teen. He showed signs of depression and had been treated at a mental health clinic. 
red flag? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. So what about that question about seizure? Uh, about who? About, about those red flag laws and the pill and and the Do I think to... it's a good idea? Sure. Uh, we'll play hell getting anything like that in Texas. Uh, if there ever was a state where the NRA calls the shots, it is Texas. Although when I was an elected official, I only got crosswise with them one time that I know of. <laughs> uh, they were. Uh, opposing a bill to ban a kind of ammunition that could penetrate police vests. And they wanted my support. They wanted me to go testify against the bill. And I told them I would do that if they could show me a deer wearing a bulletproof vest. (laughs) And uh, they were not amused. Well, we, so, well, we are. You, you, you might say I, w- I was elected without NRA support after that. <laughs> well, we really had no doubt about that, Steve. Uh, but well, and I know, and I know, and I know. You said you had Second Amendment issues before you, and and that you supported the Second Amendment. Uh, you know, as a const- you know, constitutionally supported it, uh, but that you do not believe that it gives all rights to all people. In terms of oh, right. I, I signed a brief in, in the Heller case. Uh, the, that was the 2008 case that first recognized that the Second Amendment protects an individual right and not a collective right. Uh, and I signed that brief because I think that's a correct statement of the law. But on the other hand, the uh, well, the crazies within the NRA will tell you that the purpose of the Second Amendment is insurrection. Uh, The reason we have the Second Amendment is so you and I can shoot police officers and National Guardsmen when the revolution comes. Seriously, that's where they are. Uh, The the NRA, back when I was a member, they, they had their original goals in front of them, which were gun safety, marksmanship, and get this, conservation. Uh, they, they wanted conservation to preserve hunting, uh, like that group called Ducks Unlimited. You know, they, they want to see land put aside. Ducks Unlimited wants habitat for ducks, and the NRA used to want habitat for deer and, and all the other things we might want to hunt. And, and so they were into conservation. Nowadays, they're not. The crazies have taken over. And they look at any federal protection of wilderness as a horrible usurpation of freedom. You know, they've totally gone the other way on that issue. Yeah, well, that, I think there's some, there's some forces in this society that, have, that we can, and it's an incredible understatement, wield outsized power. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and certainly the Koch brothers fit into that. Uh, and certainly... Uh, without doubt, uh, the NRA, and and the, I, it just it seems like that like Republicans are just I don't know to what extent they pay all the bills, you know, uh, but Republicans are just just shaking their boots at the thought of coming out against the NRA on any level, even questioning anything. Well, so, since the turn of the century, you know, the 2000 elections. 
the uh, Republican Party and the NRA have been pretty much uh, walking in lockstep. The Gore is not did not become president of the United States on account of the NRA. If they hadn't shot him down in his home state of Tennessee and shot him down in West Virginia, he would have been president, and those hanging chads wouldn't have mattered at all. Uh, the NRA did swing that election, and they got the credit for it. And so if you're a Republican, you had better be right with the NRA. Yeah. So- I, I think it's worth noting, though, that when the crazies took over the NRA, and, and there's a date, this is notable, May 21st, 1977, they call it the revolt at Cincinnati. It was a popular revolt. It, it came from the bottom up with a floor fight at the convention. The crazies and their insurrection theory of the Second Amendment defeated the sportsmen in Cincinnati. And there, all of the battles that happened within the NRA after May 21st, 1977, were basically mop-up operations. The, the immediate issue was that they were going to move their headquarters from Washington to Colorado because they're sportsmen, right? And Colorado's much better hunting than Washington. Uh, Depends on what they, you're hunting, but I guess yes. <laughs> you're, yeah, exactly so. Uh, and the, uh, the insurgents, the, the Revolutionary Guard, called that cut and run. You know, they said that the actions here in Washington, we we got to protect guns from the government, and Washington's the place to do it. We don't need to be moving off to Colorado. And so this is how we got Wayne LaPierre, who, who says some pretty funny things, and it's easy to make fun of him. But that guy has a Ph.D. in political science from Boston University. He, he's not an ignoramus. He knows what he's doing. Uh, this is the same guy who, after the assault weapons ban, sent out a fundraising letter, and I'm, I looked this up so I could quote it, said the assault weapons ban gives jackbooted government thugs more power to take away our constitutional rights, break in our doors, seize our guns, destroy our property, and even injure and kill us. It, it we'll takes over the top, you think? <laughs> it, it takes away their right to be jackbooted thugs. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, you know, and that came out like the same week of the Oklahoma City bombing. Yeah. And so when the reporters went to see him and asked him, did he stand behind those words, he, they really put him on the spot. And he pretty much did stand behind those words. You know, one thing we have to look at, and of course, you know, these these... I don't know, I don't have facts and figures in front of me, but obviously these shootings are increasing, you know, making quantum leaps. Uh, You know, I don't know how there have been how many school shootings already this year? Nineteen. Nineteen, Susie says. Uh, Yeah, I I had incorrectly posted on Facebook that it was 13. Well, (laughs) she's right. Yeah. So, and she tends to be, so we have to be careful. (laughs) (laughs) We don't want to. And... It's and it's just increasing and it's increasing and increasing. To say nothing of the other mass mass shootings that happen around the country, and it's it's this country is becoming absolutely unique in this regard. Uh, of course, it's there's becoming. no there's it no was well, unique. it's becoming more and more unique, and and uh, the 
the number of guns, Susie, do you know that figure? How many guns there are in this? In, or what? The, how? How many guns there are in the United States relative to in other countries? I mean, that's Steve. You might know that, but it's an incredible. It's an incredible figure. My recollection is that the, the guns per capita in the U.S. is uh, only close to one country, and that would be Yemen. Yeah. <laughs> well, we keep giving them to other countries. And I countries. think it's more than one per person, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. And, and every time something happens, like what just happened, people start talking about gun control, and other people run out and buy more AR-15s. Yeah, because they're convinced that uh, the assault weapons ban is coming back. Uh, my cousin was uh, a part in on a lot of that. It's like the pretty much the week after Obama was elected, he went and stockpiled a bunch of ammo because he said it's like that he's going to take my guns and my ammo away, and he has yet to do that. <laughs> <laughs> and he I, no longer is. In I don't the think he's going to. Yeah, yeah. But you know, it's but I mean, it's there are these. Uh, ironies the snake eating and eating the tail uh of you know uh the more we try to stop guns the more it seems that that we in, we encourage people to buy more guns because they're afraid that and when i say stop guns i mean in logical ways in in logical situations where guns are out i mean where where guns that are meant only for killing people in war you know, are so are easier to get than than handguns. I'm all in favor of the assault weapons ban, even though when it was in effect, it didn't do a lot because assault weapons, honestly, are not used in that much crime. Well, it's just that when they are used, they kill a lot of people in a very short period of time because that's what they're designed to do. And because that's what they're designed to do, why in the hell do we need them? Well, what is the NRA's argument there? Why do they the think we need The insurrection theory. We need uh, oh, the, well, assault weapons because the government has assault weapons, and the purpose of the Second Amendment is that we be prepared to fight the government. But that's not what they say in position papers, is it? Oh, yes, it is. It is? Okay. Wow. <laughs> you don't read their stuff. The, the, uh, no, I, I don't. They want to be prepared to, to shoot it out with policemen and National Guardsmen. And they keep uh, trying to convince people that the revolution's right around the corner and, and they're going to have to shoot it out with... They don't say who. They don't say policemen and National Guardsmen. They say the government. Because we're going to outgun the government. government thugs. But that's who it is. It's policemen and National Guardsmen who, who are going to be the keepers of order in case of civil unrest. So that's who they're talking about shooting, guys who could live next door to you. I, I was kind of hoping that maybe it's like that uh, their argument might be is like, well, if we fold on this one front with this one type of gun, then we're kind of like opening a, a cascade possibly of having all guns that's like rescinded. Uh, I, I was kind of hoping it's like that 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 that, that might be their <laughs> logic. Well, I think the, the Second Amendment probably keeps that from happening, although it's not true that the Second Amendment is what stops con confiscation of AR-15s. That would be the Fifth Amendment, and I don't think we're going to repeal the Fifth Amendment anytime soon. Okay. On that note. 
<laughs> uh, we're going to take a break. And uh, we'll be back in just a minute. We're talking with Steve Russell, and we're talking about guns. Uh, I'm Thorne Dreyer. This is Rag Radio. A young cowboy named Billy Joe grew restless on the farm. A boy filled with wanderlust who really meant no harm. He changed his clothes and shined his boots and combed his dark hair down. And his mother cried as he walked out. Don't take your guns to town, son. Leave your guns at home, Bill. Don't take your guns to town. He laughed and kissed his mom and said, You're Billy Joe's a man. I can shoot as quick and straight as anybody can. But I wouldn't shoot without a cause. I'd gun nobody down. But she cried again as he rolled away. Don't take your guns to town, son. Leave your guns at home, Bill. Don't take your guns to town. Sang a song as on he rode, his guns hung at his hips. He rode into a cattle town, a smile upon his lips. He stopped and walked into a bar and laid his money down. But his mother's words echoed again. Don't take your guns to town, son. Leave your guns at home, Bill. Don't Take your guns to town He drank his first strong liquor then To calm his shaking hand And tried to tell himself at last He had become a man A dusty cowpoke at his side Began to laugh him down And he heard again his mother's words Don't Take your guns to town, son. Leave your guns at home, Bill. Don't take your guns to town. I'm Thorne Dreyer. This is Rag Radio, and uh, we're back with you. Our guest is Steve Russell, and we're talking about guns and gun culture and mass shootings and the NRA and... uh, that kind of thing, <laughs> uh, and uh, it, it, the two—I mean, the two—you wrote these two articles. Uh, you wrote an article for the Washington Post in which you kind of—I I, thought—I mean, the, uh, for Newsweek, not the Washington Post. It was a cover story in Newsweek in December, and you—you uh, you talked about—you uh, you gave a list. It was sort of like you said, "Well, guns aren't, you know, necessarily that," but then you started thinking about all the people that, that you personally knew who had been involved in, in, uh, in gun-related accidents and death. And I, I thought that was, very, that was very interesting. There were even people in there that I knew. I, think, so. I didn't even try very hard. Uh, that was just off the top of my head. Uh, what were so, so what, was, what, were you, what were you really getting at in that? Of course, it was about Texas guns in Texas. Do you think Texas is truly unique? Yes, I, I think. Texas historically has these roots in the gun culture that other states do not. Uh, Now, how long that lasts, uh, I don't know. 
I, I just know that it it's it dates to the founding of Texas. The the protection of civilization in Texas was by militias, and people brought their own weapons, and that was the fact of it. And it lasted longer in Texas than it did in most of the rest of the United States. So it has to have some effect. On the other hand, we're getting all these folks moving here as Texas grows and, and there's more technical jobs. And you so mean on. outsiders coming in? <laughs> yeah, yeah. These outsiders with these newfangled ideas like, you know, pistol permits and things like that. Uh, so, but yeah, I, I do think Texas is different, and will probably bring up the rear in changing things. But hope springs eternal that we will change things. Uh, during the break, I, I was thinking of you know what can we do to change things, and I, I made a big long list of two items <laughs> <laughs> that I hope to get a chance to mention. Uh, one of them is uh, Barack Obama's idea, and one is mine. Okay. Well, we will we'll we'll get. Don't forget those. We'll, oh, sure I, I wrote you, them down. I right, won't forget right, them. Keep them right in front in front of you because we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, by the way, speaking of what you were talking about, uh, I, 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 this is a quote from your own article, so you probably are aware of it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> my subhead was, "You take those cows, I'll kill you." This was the article that you wrote called. Uh, is gun violence our manifest destiny? The last war, and then the pull quote that I used was the last war on U.S. soil, you mentioned it earlier, ended in 1848, unless you count the NRA versus common sense. But uh, when Arizona rancher Luther Wallace Wally Klump was arrested for contempt of court in a dispute with the Bureau of Labor Management over grazing fees. That's land management. Yeah, land management. Klump articulated, uh, what did I say? You said labor. Oh, Bureau of Land Management, over grazing fees, Klump articulated his view of the Second Amendment to the New York Times. The Second yeah, that, Amendment... That's the insurrection theory. Yeah, the Second Amendment is my ace, and they know it's my ace. The Founding Fathers gave the individual a gun to fight the tyranny of the government. What's that mean? The bearer can kill someone in government if the reason is justified. It doesn't exactly say where you go to determine if it's justified. But it's never <laughs> been tested. I told them, you take those cows, I'll kill you, as mandated by the Second Amendment. <laughs> That's, you know, whew. That's scary stuff. That's pretty scary stuff. Um, well, here in Texas, we never thought much of rustlers, you know. Yeah. Well, uh, and so tell us a little bit, because you wrote this article, you, you know, and you have a lot of history in this article, uh, and, and about this country and about the way that, and Mexico, and the way that this all kind of, uh, this whole concept of manif manifest destiny, which you see sort of involved in the gun culture. Yeah. Am I simplifying uh, that? Of course. <laughs> it, it, it's kind of odd that, that Trump has this fantasy that he, he's going to solve some non-existent problem by building a wall down there on the border. Uh, now, those of us who live here know that's not practical, uh, but there was a time when we did have a problem on that border, and people did shoot at each other down there. 
it, it was long, long ago. I mean, they, I, I'm not sure where where Trump gets this other than his instinct to always demonize people who are different. You know, the when he announced for president, he started right in on Mexicans. And he still is trading on this idea that Mexico is our enemy, which hasn't been the case for a long, long time. But it was the case at one point. The, the wall might have been popular at one point in Texas, if it were possible. <laughs> That's a lot of ifs, you know. It, it's, even back then, people would have understood it wasn't possible. Yeah. Uh, it, you even talk in here. You talk about Charles Whitman, of course, and it's hard not to have this discussion without not without talking about Charles Whitman and the tower, the tower shootings, uh, which you know are just compared to what's happened since. Uh, you know, but it was the beginning of a sort. Um, it was, but uh, it, it now looks like small potatoes. But uh, for the people who were there that day. I don't think they'd think so, you know. Charles Whitman, of course, climbed up onto the top of the University of Texas Tower and just started shooting people. Everybody he could see that he could get a beat on, he was shooting. But one of the things you point out is that suddenly all these all these people came out of the woodwork with deer rifles <laughs> and start shooting back. And we're talking about Texas and guns. Yeah. Uh, uh, there were just deer rifles all over the place. I guess it was mostly deer rifles, I think, that they were shooting with. Uh, that yeah. that talks about brings up the whole point of the of of everybody talking about arming, especially Ted Cruz talking about arming. <laughs> arming the Ted Cruz? No, please. No, dear God, arming. Yeah, well, Ted Cruz was talking about arming the the people in the schools. But from what I, I read, an article saying that there was a security guard in there who was armed, but he'd never been in that situation before, so he didn't know what to do. Well, even with uh, like Charles Whitman, they had to make announcements to get people to stop shooting at the tower because they had people in the tower that were trying to get after Charles Whitman. Well, and that's yeah, the, the policemen who first got up there found themselves under fire. having to duck <laughs> under fire uh, because they were taking fire up around where their head was. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 one of the big arguments that's made now is that the, the argument against taking away guns is that no, we need more guns because if we have guns, we can protect ourselves, which is assuming that everybody having guns, it's, that they're going to be more like, how many of those are going to really be really trained in using guns? How many are going to be trained in the kind of situation they right. would find themselves in and, and would know what to do? Uh, and uh, how many are not going to shoot somebody in front of them? You know, how, you know that's, that's why it seems like such a vacuous uh, argument to me, but then... Well, well, I've been trained in using guns, and I, I'm not sure if I happened upon a gunfight, I would immediately know who the good guys and the bad guys were, that's, that's well, which was the problem in the Whitman case. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on yeah. the other hand, though, I, I was watching TV this morning, and somebody was running down all the the times an AR-15 was used for nefarious purposes and they came up with with the the shooting at the church here in texas and they zipped right by it without pointing out that that one was also stopped by an ar-15 and that's the truth of the matter and a neighbor pulled out 
his assault rifle and went after the guy who was shooting up the church with an assault rifle. Yeah, I, it's, it's, now, that's the exception, not it, the rule. But we shouldn't deny that it's possible. Well, no, of course not. <laughs> but if neither Many, one of them had had the gun, neither, then we wouldn't yeah, have if neither one of yeah. them, we'd be better off. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, but then then comes the argument that that, that I think so most intelligent people make, <laughs> and that is that, that the proliferation, the massive proliferation of guns in this society, is anathema. That that it's it's the cause, not the effect. That it's that it's uh, that it makes so many of these things inevitable. Even though you can't maybe tie any given event to a specific thing, the fact is that the more guns there are, the more kids are going to find their daddy's gun and go out and shoot a friend. Uh, the more guns there are, uh, then somebody's more likely to to shoot his girlfriend, you know. It's just, and it's, it's unique in this, in this culture. Yeah, uh, listening to the NRA, you would think that uh, the problem here in the U.S. is we have more crazy people than other countries do, and that's not really the case. What it is is we've got the best armed crazy people <laughs> in the world. Yeah, yeah. I, I've also heard the argument where it's like that that's just... Uh, one of the things that we take on for having all of our freedom is that we have the freedom for crazy people to shoot other people. And that just is just part of the course. Well, there sure are a lot of countries that actually have more freedom than we do, uh, where there are not, where guns do not proliferate, you know, the Scandinavian countries, we don't have people going or they don't have people going around shooting up, you know, well, just the last night on Tucker Carlson is like when uh, he was talking about liberals is like bringing up Australia and their gun control laws. He s- frames it as insurrection and uh, uh, courting civil war. And that is like and if, uh, if the Democrats want to it's like, go that far, it's like going to people's houses, knocking on their doors and, cl- and uh, seizing guns. Of course, this is all hyperbolic. Well, you couldn't do it in the first place. Right. You couldn't do that in but, this country. Uh, well, <laughs> but that's the knee-jerk reaction. They could do it because they don't have a Fifth Amendment. They they actually did confiscate guns, but we we can't do it here. No. So right. it's so it's just it's silly and it's uh, fake news. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we go the actual other way. I mean, there's a guy in Kansas, Tyler Tannehill, who's running for congressional seat, who's actually raffling off a an ar-15 at at one of his uh fundraisers i saw that i mean you know we're we're giving these things away you go to a gun show you don't have to have a background check for that car dealerships yes Uh, you buy a new car (laughs) get a gun yay Um, i've seen that many times okay has in general has anything happened to tighten up gun availability at all or has it just continued to go the other direction steve Oh, it, it pretty well has gone in the other direction since, uh, you know, in my article, I, I don't remember if it was Newsweek or Ragblog, where I quoted LBJ at length, where he, when he was signing the, uh, what was left of the Gun Control Act after the NRA got a hold of it, and he was thinking that uh, registration was important, and it's seems to make sense you know you have to register your car but uh, the gun owners protection act of 1986 was a major victory for the nra and it held that there will be no national database of gun owners ever 
Yeah. And that, that's so the government doesn't know where the guns are and, and they can't come and get them. Yeah. Of course, they pretend that that act, even though they, they made a big deal out of it politically at the time, they now pretend it doesn't exist when they go out and fundraise on they're coming to take your guns. Well, how, how are they going to know you even have a gun? It's not allowed. That's a good point. Uh, It's like uh, you're playing on the fear when there's already laws in place. It's like to prevent that from happening. Absolutely. Yeah, I love you. I love this. uh, You quote a Mohawk scholar saying that a Canadian is just a disarmed American with health insurance. (laughs) On that note, (laughs) we're going to take our second break. (laughs) I'm Thorne Dreyer. And this is Rag Radio. Our guest is Steve Russell. Mother Superior jumped the gun. 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 All right, I'm Thorne Dreyer. This is Rag Radio. My guest is uh, Steve Russell. Uh, happiness is a warm gun, do you think, Tracy? Uh, is that a little too on point? <laughs> a little too oh, on that, point. that took me back to Ted Cruz's video where he wrapped bacon around the uh, <laughs> barrel of an AR-15 and and fired it until the bacon was crispy. Yeah, yeah, that's. I mean, I, I remember that. I'm not sure exactly what the lesson of that is, but you know, <laughs> I mean, there must be some. Uh, he, Ted Cruz. Um, uh, I'm For what it's worth, I've think. never seen anyone prepare BLTs that way. <laughs> yeah. Be- before we go to, uh, uh, to uh, and, and in fact, the, you know, the tea part would be, the tomato would be uh, <laughs> not in real good shape at that point. Um, you had the, the two items you wanted to talk about. Uh, I think, does does either of them involve the mental health issue? Because I think we might talk a little bit more about that. No, neither one of them has to do with that. Uh, The the one that's a little bit more airy and theoretical comes out of the Heller case, the the one that found the individual right. Uh, Justice Scalia wrote the opinion in that case. Now, I've made some fun of that guy, including in Ragblog. I've written things about him, but the fact is, he's a smart guy, and he's a hell of a good writer. He, When he died, he was the best writer on the Supreme Court, and that includes Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I mean, he's a good writer. Anyway, uh, in his opinion, he went out of his way to point out 
that nothing in that opinion were, said you couldn't ban M16s and the like, which kind of surprised me that he was uh, in favor of the assault weapons ban, or, or he thought it was okay, uh, because it, where's the well-regulated militia in, in the Second Amendment? And, it, and if you're doing this on the fiction that you're a militia, isn't there some value in having ammunition that's interchangeable with the National Guard and having essentially the same weapon? It just won't go full automatic. And that brought me to the idea, well, let's have a well-regulated militia. Sure, you can own an AR-15, but you've got to muster at least twice a year. <laughs> and there are certain modifications you can't make to it because you're only keeping it for militia use, you know. It's not like you're going to go out and shoot people with it or anything. <laughs> yeah. so, so, right. You know, if, if that's the theory about... You can keep it real shiny. <laughs> yeah, right. But, but I, I really think if, if you made these, uh, these militia men actually uh, have a chain of command and and muster a couple of times a year and go marching around and doing all those things soldiers have to do, yeah. uh, a lot fewer of them would be interested in hanging on to their assault rifles. They get a little tired of all that. Uh, yeah, just yeah, a thought. Yeah. Uh, Barack Obama, though, has an idea that I think is much more to the point. And he handled these mass shootings totally differently than Trump has, and we've had enough of them in, already in Trump's administration that we do have something to compare with. Obama always went to the location. He, he looked at the survivors. He spoke to them, and then he spoke to the country each time. And he got damn tired of it. And towards the end, he, he couldn't keep his composure. I, I couldn't help but remember when Ed Muskie was drummed out of the... Uh, presidential race because they said he cried uh, up in the the north country and you know men don't cry and all that but obama was he he got emotional at those things and his idea was and he would only come up with this under duress we got to become one issue voters we've got to say that if you're not right on gun safety Kiss off. We don't care what else you're right on. And he was directing this to, to Democrats, you know, to, yeah. to everybody. Yeah. That we already won the polls. The stuff we'd like to see, universal background checks and a ban on these limitless uh, magazines. And there, there's a lot of stuff, the bump stocks. And not letting people on the terrorist watch list buy AR-15s, things like that. We're, we, the people, are in agreement on stuff like that. They poll 80 and 90 percent, but we can't get it done. And the reason we can't get it done is that while our people are on that side, it's not a very salient issue to them. They're not going to base their vote on it. And the NRA people do base their vote on it. But you know, Steve, this is, you know, this isn't just true with, with, with gun control. We won't use that term because that's too scary to people. But it's true with health care. It's true with immigration. 
the large, large majorities in this country support progressive uh, change in those areas or support progressive positions in those areas. Uh, that is, is not the, the only answer ultimately politics and can, and can I mean, electing different people uh, to office, you know, as, as even impossible as that may seem to us. Yeah, well, uh, Obama was suggesting one way to do it, and he was, in his emotional moments, he was suggesting that the body count is such with, with uh, gun safety that it's an issue that it, it's worth going one issue over it. The, the closest we've got to it now on the progressive side is abortion. Uh, there are people who, who treat abortion. If you're not pro-choice, then I will not even consider you. Uh, I've always thought that since Roe versus Wade protects the ultimate decision, that we didn't have to be that sticky about the, the stuff in between where they're trying to chip away. I'm usually opposed to the things where they're trying to chip away, but I'm, I'm willing to, in a right-wing district, I think it'd be all right to endorse somebody who's okay with those little chip-away things that that anyone with any sense is opposed to, but hey, what are you going to do? Uh, Susie's waving her head, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, but, I know. That's the closest thing we've got to a litmus test. I just have problems with the idea of single-issue stuff. Because, I do, too. Because do too. what pulls people together at this point is a larger vision, and the only, it seems to me the only way we're going to change things is to have a larger vision of how these things all fit together. And, uh, and gun, gun control, gun rights, gun whatever, issues around guns may be the party as important as anything is, but I think health care has to be just as important, you know. Uh, what... That's why I think that, that having, I think the, the sort of progressive insurgency that's happening around the country, you know, electorally or potentially, uh, is, is, is worth noting at least. But also we all have to realize that, and whether it's we're working single issue or whatever, that it's only going to happen if, there's, if it's happening inside and outside. It's funny you should bring up health care since the NRA has managed to ban the Center for Disease Control by law from addressing gun violence as a public health issue. Right, right. I, I mean, it's, and, and I mean, anybody who in, in whatever way has addressed it as a public health issue uh, has just, there's, that argument won't even get off the, off the blocks with the NRA. We know in the world it is addressed as a... Uh, public health issue. The World Health Organization keeps track of things that the Center for Disease Control is not allowed to. So we, we can't even contribute statistics to the World Health Organization because we're not allowed to collect them. <laughs> well. Is there any legal way around some of this, or do you see any, uh, anything being proposed that's like that could get us there? Uh, stuff like the, the ban on there's also a ban on uh, federal uh, research grants for gun-related topics. And in my discipline, criminal justice, that really limits what you can do because 
really broad-based studies that can come to sweeping conclusions require money to hire a bunch of graduate student slaves, which is how, <laughs> is how we get it done. You know, we we collect all this data and then we uh, uh, lock up these graduate students in a room and, and tell them how we want it crunched. Uh, we don't do that ourselves, seriously. <laughs> uh, so if you can't hire the graduate student slaves, you, you're never going to get it done. They go out and collect the data, too. Hmm. Yeah. And, you know, any anyone who's been through a Ph.D. program in the social sciences will, will tell you that. You know, you go through your time uh, uh, carrying that sack of cotton on your back, you know, and, and then if you're good, they let you in the big house eventually. Uh, that's how it works. Yeah. But we cannot hire those graduate student slaves to do research that is uh, related to gun policy. Can't hire because them. Because the, the NRA says we can't, and Congress went along with it. Yeah, there's a bunch of areas where it's just crazy that you can't marijuana, or, or drugs, basic psychedelic drugs. They can't do research uh, because of uh, you know because of various uh, constituencies. That, that one thing I did want to tell people and remind people of is that because uh, I haven't told them since the beginning of the show is who you're talking to. Well, I've told them you're talking to Steve Russell, but. Uh, or that they're listening to Steve Russell. But uh, Steve Russell was a, uh, uh, a citizen of the Cherokee Nation who dropped out in the ninth grade and ended up being a judge and a professor of criminology and uh, who writes regularly for the RAG blog, uh, which is our sort of sister uh, journalistic entity, and, uh, and is writing for Newsweek and other uh, other publications. Uh, that's a very shorthand uh, thing. So, did you cover? You, you said you had a couple of things. Yeah, the, those were the two things. the The idea that uh, if we're going to have uh, AR-15s out there, the, then we perhaps ought to regulate the militia. That, that's kind of a uh, uh, kind of being mean, you know, but. <laughs> <laughs> They're mean too, uh, but but the the thing Obama said about one issue voting, Obama would agree with you, and I would agree with you, but he was wrenched around to that position under duress, and if you look at the role of the NRA in our political system, it's not so far from taking all the issues in a ball, as you and I wish to do, it's not as far away as you would think, because the NRA has taken up fights that have nothing to do with guns. Ever since the the great showdown in Cincinnati, they don't really represent sportsmen. They represent manufacturers of guns. And it's not the same thing. Well, that's the other thing that's happening all across the board, is they're lobbyists. Yeah, you know, they're really they're they're lobbyists and and uh, and, and they're the most powerful people. lobby. It's the most powerful lobby in the country. And, and talking about yeah, Fortune magazine uh, back I, I think it was around uh, was around the time they uh, swung the presidential election. They took the AARP off the top of the list as most influential lobby and put the NRA up there. Mm. And I guess it's like, you know, talking about manufacturing and lobbying, the news is like this past week about Remington having financial problems, a historic gun manufacturer that makes bolt action 
guns as opposed to multi-magazine uh, guns. It's like is it having financial troubles. And so it's like it, it, it seems interesting. It's like the, it's almost like NRA is like picking and choosing who they sponsor. Or are people figuring out how to make their own guns? <laughs> On a 3D printer. There is that as well. It's like yeah, there is that. That's a thing that's happening. Well, you can't shoot like 40 deer at once if you have a bolt action. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's funny. They could be that. really huddled up close. Yeah. No, no. Yeah, the, the ease a lot of, it. of this stuff that they try to justify in terms of hunting just blows me away. I mean, that's that's where my wisecrack about deers wearing bulletproof vests came from. I mean, come on, seriously. Why do you need an assault rifle? Yeah. And the comeback to that is to say well, nothing of the old idea of sport in hunting. That's really? a lot. That's what you know. What? Well, you can shoot <laughs> now. We pigs. just put them in. In, in you know. In, in we fence them in. We, we go out and shoot wild game from a balloon and, and point blank. And we bait yeah. them. Yeah. Baiting them is perfectly legal. Yeah. So I mean, I've always thought that was absurd. But I think the term "sporting" should be disallowed. I think that's I think. losing at hunting. So, <laughs> Unless you let the deer shoot back. Yeah, yeah. that's when it's a sport. <laughs> to, so. to to that end, it's like I've had friends who do hunt. It's like wild boar and stuff like that, and say, "Yeah, you don't want to be caught trying to reload when you have an angry 500 pound boar, like you know, bearing down on you. You want to be able to fire multiple times." And so, to that end, I can see that. But yeah, it's it's definitely an extreme uh, as a opposed to it's like uh, hunting is like for a sport. And but that seems general. so much more sporting to me. Yeah, <laughs> me too. I, 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 the, the one good thing I... My I, money's on the boar. The, the one good thing I can say about bullfighting is occasionally a bull does pick off a matador. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's and, not and very that, often. that seems to me fair and square. Yeah. And the idea that a boar might pick off a pig hunter every now and then, well... <laughs> I enjoy it. Can't, yeah, I, yeah. I can't... Get too excited about Whose that. Whose side I mean, are you on? <laughs> it, it raises the stakes, you know. Okay, we've got about a minute and a half, minute and forty-five seconds, Steve. What? How do? How do you want to sum all this up? Well, I want to. Or confess, what do you want to leave us with? Give us. Something. I want to confess that I eat venison. I want to confess that I own weapons. Uh, <laughs> I do, but still, the, this stuff that's going on is crazy, and, and we've got to do something about it. And we're having this conversation again. Yeah, that's the other question is how, I mean, and, and I think there's so many people are saying, you know, well, we, we send out our, our wishes, our, our prayers, uh, you know, our condolences. That's the response. That's yep. Congress's response. Thoughts and prayers. You know, thoughts, thoughts and, and prayers. You, well, you have our thoughts and prayers. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're yeah. not there to pray. Got to take a breath and get some more guns. According to Rubio and Cruz. Yeah. It just, but, you know. Well, and, well, Cruz has a reason. He likes BLTs. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, I mean, uh, in 30 seconds, what, do you, do you see anything hopeful? Uh, you know, it all just seems so overwhelmingly hopeless. I feel hopeful <laughs> right now when I see these people in Florida but I had the same feeling about Newtown, Connecticut. Those people up there have stayed at it, and they've gotten good results on the state law level. Maybe the people in Florida can do something about the Marco Rubios of the world. Maybe they can, yeah. uh, if they stay with it. Yeah, and there are a lot of people who've been victims, uh, or family of victims, uh, who've just absolutely dedicated themselves to the issue. Yeah, 
It's like Vietnam. You know, we finally got the people on our side when everybody knew somebody who'd come back in a bag. Okay. <laughs> I'm Thorne Dreyer. This is Rag Radio. My guest is Steve Russell.